Blog Talk Radio. There was a time I was so afraid, so scared to do what I wanted. In looking back, I can see all the mistakes that I made, and I wish that I could talk to me and tell me I can change. Don't be afraid, just walk with your Welcome to Blog Talk Radio, Safe Recovery. This is Monica Richardson, and I am your host. Today is March 18th, 2014. Wow, this year has just really been flying by. It's almost three years uh, that I started this radio show. Three years ago on March 22nd, and I'm going to be doing a show. I do think that we're going to have a show with uh, Lance Stodes, uh, the author of The Heart of Addiction, the author of Breaking Addiction, a seven-step handbook for ending any addiction, and then The Sober Truth, which is going to be released on uh, March 25th. So head on over to your local bookstore and support them or go online to Amazon or to his website, and you can pick up this. Real, I've read the book cover to cover. It's fantastic, The Sober Truth. Debunking the Bad Science Behind 12-Step Programs and the Rehab Industry. Really fantastic book. And he just left my house a little while ago. I interviewed him for my film, The 13th Step, which is coming up. So uh, we are going to have him in here, it, interviewing on Blog Talk Radio next Tuesday unless um, I have an interview that I have to drive a little far away and then we're going to move We'll move the show either to the evening or perhaps the following day, but I'll put a post down on my blog. Uh, yeah, he, the book is fantastic, and uh, I really hope that anybody who is wanting to find a way to uh, deprogram, it's actually a really good deprogramming book, but I think his books are probably really helpful for people who um, AA is not working and uh, you want to read a good book, Breaking Addiction, a seven-step handbook for ending any addiction by Lance Dodies, MD. He is a psychiatrist, spent a lot of years at Harvard, and uh, really, really, excuse me, smart guy. It's spelled Lance, and last name is D-O-D-E-S, so he'll be on next week. Well, this week... I thought that I would. Uh, I was really having fun talking about the uh, all the God references in the book, and uh, I decided that I thought. Let me see if I can bring this up. What you know? When did I really begin to deprogram? When did I see some of the things? I certainly 
drank a lot of the Kool-Aid and was evangelical in the, the way I proselytized and tried to get people to join AA. Until I got to about, mm, I don't know, there was some time where I realized that it wasn't really for everybody. Maybe I was four years sober, six years sober, maybe six. Uh, so I decided, you know, to do a show on how I healed myself while I was in AA with other books and therapy because obviously the person who I became was not a result of the 12 steps and AA, although they did uh, create some, uh, I would say, belief systems in me that had to be really broken and they were broken in those later years and I'm going to talk about it. For those of you that don't know me, I arrived at an AA meeting at 18, 18 years old in Hawaii and I was already not drinking for a couple of weeks, I had actually quit and quit for good and met uh, a guy who talked to me about the AA way and the 12 steps and I thought, oh, that sounded oh so spiritual and oh so nice to hang around with young, other sober people. But uh, my story goes, it was very quickly, uh, I would say preyed on by a guy who was Mr. 13 Stepper um, and and then was sort of sent spiraling downward into this kind of drama bullshit that I went through uh, and began to work the 12 steps because now I really needed them. And, oh, my God, I was so... Meanwhile, um, I mean, if that didn't happen, boy, my life would be would be different. But that is what happened. And one of the things that... The first thing that I didn't buy was that I was powerless over alcohol. I certainly could buy that my life had become unmanageable in certain ways, and I um, was very religious growing up, so a lot of the God stuff didn't bother me. Uh, but the second that I was insane, um, I was like, well, you know, we still make fun of that idea, but looking back, that, you know, Lance Stodes pointed out in his interview with me today that it's very, um, very detrimental. Um, that, that's not people are not insane. They um, they're just doing behaviors that you know aren't good. That you know real insanity when you're a psychiatrist has you know a real prognosis and it's got real symptoms. It isn't just everybody in AA is insane. Ha ha ha. We're gonna laugh about it. So that was one of the things that I also didn't drink all the Kool Aid. Now some of the Kool Aid I did drink needed to be un you know undone, which would be that certain things would block us off from the sunlight of the spirit and we would drink again and all those crazy-ass quote, you know, quotes that are in there. Um, and I tried that for about seven months. And about seven months sober, I could feel that I was like going to crack. It sort of felt like that I was going to actually have a some kind of a... It felt like a breakdown. Like It felt like I was... And actually, they really were, I think, trying to break me. They just want to... If you, if you can't buy that first half of that first step, in my opinion as a young person that they wanted to uh, make that happen so they could build you back up again. And regardless, at four years sober, I took a look around, and people were starting to do these workshops of the 12 and 12 in their homes and make AA about everything. And I just looked at that, and I had already done the steps through and through, and I was Miss Service Woman. And I could see, I could still see that I had problems uh, you know, whether they were a normal young person growing up, 22 years old, really kind of taking care of myself and, you know, working and 
had a full-time job then. I still didn't, I think I went back to school at that point and uh, was getting um, my uh, GED. And I started to see things and I was like, you know what, um, this is not really, in fact, I think maybe it was more like three or four years sober, yeah. So I came across this book. I was working in sales and clothing stores and the first book that is on my list, I have a long list here of books, um, of the books that changed my life for the better. And the first one was by Og Mandino. That's O-G-M-A-N-D-I-N-O. Og Mandino wrote a book called The Greatest Secret in the World. And he wrote, the I think it was The Greatest Miracle in the World. And, you know, I have no idea where this guy was coming from, but The Greatest Secret in the World, you had to read read a scroll. And it was really designed for salesmen and believing that you had to read something out loud to yourself like there's a cycle of 21 days that you can break a bad habit. And at, so the, I think it's 21 days. And But he made the scroll. You had to read it for, uh, I think it was 30 days. <clears throat> and you read it in the morning, and you read it out loud once, and you read it at lunchtime. And each scroll was like super, super empowering. I, I can't find the book. I was looking and running through my bookshelf to find it. But it would say things like, you know, I am like, I greet this day with love in my heart, and I am the most fabulous salesman in the world, and and in fact, I was selling things. And you also had to chart your emotional graph, like your ups and downs for the month, and so you had to put in like from 1 to 10, you know, how you felt that day. And you could see that I had this like dip every month, and of course, it was right around my menstrual cycle. And then you could see me, you know, kind of, I was, you know, normalizing and being fine. And then I would always have this period of the month where I'd feel great and I would sell a lot of clothes. And so I read this book, but I think that this book was the beginning of something, first of all, of realizing that when people would say, oh, you know, well, we need to be brainwashed. Well, you know, I was like, yeah, well, but you don't want to be brainwashed with rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path because that's a lie. It should say, really, have we seen a person thoroughly follow the path? Like, most people don't follow the path, exactly. There's so many things in Chapter 5 that are just lies. Like, we weren't born that way. We were not naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. Like, that's fucking, I mean, it's just hogwash. So why would you want to brainwash yourself with, especially that, you know, that only must come from a power greater than yourself, that one is God, and that alcohol is cunning, baffling, powerful. No, it's not. It's a beverage. It's a beverage that sits on a, you know, it sits on a shelf in a store or it could sit in your house and it's in a bottle. Like, alcohol is not cunning, baffling, and powerful. And that, you know, perpetuate, perpetrates so much fear with people and inside people. And we have a few guests in the um in the chat room, I say hi, hi there. I don't know anybody because you're all in there anonymously. So hi and welcome. And we have somebody listening. Hi to uh, my uh, my dear Kevin who's in there listening. Um, so you know this this book really kind of got me. It took me se- it takes you seven months to read the whole book, and then I felt really good about myself because I finished it all, and I did it, and I started to really see a shift, and I started to, you know. Um, kind of look at AA a little differently and everybody was like oh you know you really should come to these you know workshops and you know come to where we're really tearing up the 12 and 12 and we're you know dissecting it and using a a board and I was like you know like a chalkboard and I was like why would you do that like why do you want to do that so that was 1979 and I was four years sober and I was 22 years old and I could see that they were for me it looked like they were trying to make something uh make AA something it wasn't 
But, you know, now what I just learned out by um, interviewing Lance Dodies, Dr. Lance Dodies, is that there's a thing called uh, 12-step facilitation, so TSF, which they did exactly that. They tried to take these stupid 12 steps and make them into a facilitation type thing, which is such a bunch of whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, I just didn't buy it. And so I started to really thrive and work and uh, and live my life and go dancing in Waikiki. The discos were really popular then. And, you know, my life started to feel very full. I exercised and swam and, you know, life was good. Well, another book, uh, let's go back to, that was, there's a couple of books that I read before this, so I'm going to jump back. And there was a guy who handed me this book in a meeting, and it said, if you can't say no, your guesses don't mean anything. He handed me a book that was by Jeff Lair, I Ain't Well, But I Sure Am Better. I actually think that these guys were were 12-steppers that wrote this. I'm not sure, but uh, looking back. But they were books that were a little like, you know, learning how to have some skills, which, you know, AA didn't teach me any skills. I was like really young and I really needed some better social skills and life life skills, life skills and um, learning how to be more assertive and say no when I felt like saying no. And so I read this book, these two books. If you can't say no, your guesses don't mean anything. And then I ain't well, but I sure am better. And I think for sure that sounds like a stepper self-help. And that was sort of the beginning of uh, the self-help book movement and it was that that was were probably those early years of it um the other one that i read was how to survive the loss of a love and somebody gave me that one which was so so helpful for being in relationships where people uh you know you think that you want with you know being in a relationship with somebody like this but truthfully like i always remember this thing where uh, she said you miss the flowers they never gave you. You know, you miss the dates they never took you on. So you really were in a relationship where somebody wasn't treating you very well, and yet, you you know, you're so devastated. I do think that when you're young that everything is so extreme with love, or at least it felt like that to me, and um, everything was so dramatic and, uh, you know, amped up really emotionally. But looking back, this book really put in to perspective a very, very negative a relationship that I had uh, wanting to be in a relationship with somebody. And also, I did learn to apply what I had learned in this book towards, uh, you know, getting reinvolved with, uh, like, this discipline. I created a discipline for myself to change my behavior with how I related to men and how I dated them. And, I, you know, I didn't go to another 12-step program for that. Like, they did, first of all, they didn't exist, thank God. But I... I just began to develop this plan of my own that made sense to me from reading some of these other books. Of course, I read Think and Grow Rich, um, which has nothing to do with being powerless. Um, I read that when I was working in sales, and that was a great book. It was like my little, you know, I underlined it and highlighted it and thought it was great. Um, some of the, uh, okay, so there's other books like uh, I have down here, Blue Jelly by Debbie Bull. Blue Jelly, wonderful book. The Secrets of a Very Good Marriage by um, Sherry Soup Cohen. The Secrets of a Very Good Marriage was a really, really a good book that for relationships and people to see how um, you know it can't always be your way, it can't always be his way, 
and you know what's that pattern that sort of give and take, which I didn't really see um, too much of it when I was growing up. Getting to I do um, by Patricia Allen, which I, I do think she's a stepper. But um, Getting to I Do was sort of an interesting book. Uh, I'm sure I pulled one or two good things out of that. The Purpose of Your Life. Now, The Purpose of Your Life, would I, I would say, was one of the best books that I I read that really asked that question in my ta- life when, um, you know, I was working as a, uh, doing bookkeeping, and I had um, a band where I played a couple times a month, and this book kind of just really, really, it was just a really good book for that period. And then I read John Gray's Mars and Venus on a Date, a fantastic, fantastic book that was all about uh, dating, which I had been out of dating that world for 16 years, and I was having to you know, re-enter that world. And uh, that book was extremely, that was like so helpful to me. Um, Warrior Lessons uh, about being a woman in the workplace, written by an Asian woman, Phoebe Ng, E-N-G. Wow, uh, what a great book to deal with uh, what can happen at work and what can happen in your life. Warrior Lessons helped me deal with a really uh, horrible, horrible guy uh, that I, I was dealing with in the late 90s. Um, let's see, Prosperity by Catherine Ponder. Uh, was a great book about money and just a beginning. It's not a good book if you're not if you're an atheist or you know you're not a person of faith. It's totally forget that book. It's not a good book for that. But for people who are, it was the beginning seeds of me trying to figure out, um, you know, just how to be more prosperous. Um, it, let's see which. Let me go down here. The getting the love, getting the love you want by Harville Hendricks. I'd say of all the books here, I'm just gonna I'm gonna say of all the books here, the ones that are are my favorites and that changed my life were "Getting the Love You Want" by Harville Hendricks. So this is a marriage type of marriage counseling. They, I think he has books now for teenagers. Uh, it, it it is so fantastic. So it's not like therapy where you just go and talk about yourself. You really have to you go in and the therapist guides you how to you do work with each other and teaches you how to listen and how to talk in a new way. And I certainly needed that because in you know growing up in my household, there was a lot of, um, there was plenty of yelling and not a lot of listening. And uh, so uh, the, this kind of communication, I certainly didn't learn in my household. So I had to learn how to, uh, you know, talk and um, and listen. Getting the Love You Want by Harville Hendricks. They're called Imago Therapy uh, Specialists. They get trained in Imago therapy and uh they're worth every every cent of whatever they charge i mean i'm sure they sh- hope they don't overcharge but um that was a long time ago that i did that that was like 20 i'd say 20 years ago now along with that book the courage to heal which was about, which is by ellen bass and laura davis um it's a really fat big book to deal with childhood abuse that book um i just poured right through and uh, worked with my therapist in dealing with uh, my childhood issues. And there I learned that one never has to forgive um, to move on, that forgiveness is not a part of childhood abuse. And uh, that, you know, just because it doesn't, you know, A is so filled with that crap 
that you don't have to forgive uh, somebody who abused you as a child. That's absolutely, it's absolutely ridiculous. And um, so you can you can forget. I mean, you can eventually. Uh, I forgave, but at the time of the therapy, it's a really bad idea to try to be forgiving somebody that you hate. So I think you need to get out the rage, or I did get under the rage. It was a lot of sadness, and I was like 15 years sober and still trying to be like a soldier, and that was ridiculous. And uh, so she gave me permission to feel a lot of my feelings and to cry and to mourn everything that I that I had to mourn. And there was some serious mourning going on. So. Um, uh, you'll have to excuse me because I I was like trying to shovel down some food before I um eat some food before I started the show and was eating like a yam and uh, <laughs> anyway uh here we go so uh the courage to heal big big deal along with when children kill by Paul Paul Monas now when children kill is a really extreme Paul Monas is an attorney who represented children who were all abused in different ways. And these children uh, wound up killing their parents. And, you, I mean, I read the book in two days. I just, like, poured through it. And um, my uh, kid's father, even, he read it from cover to cover in two days. And it just supposed to, you know, it really brought up a lot of feelings. But uh, these kids were abused psychologically. Uh, there was even stories, um, emotionally, verbal abuse, and then there were many that were uh, sexually abused and certainly physically abused. And the difference between those kids and me is that at some point, I mean, the kids just never, um, they kind of stuffed it. And I mean, I, I'm not making any of them wrong because I'm not. I mean, I was like, you know, when you're reading the book, you, you don't ever feel sorry for the parent who got killed. I never did. But um, you really feel this, uh, how these kids uh, were so victimized and felt so powerless, these children. And the difference between them and I, you know, and myself was when I was 13, one day my father was like beating me up. Um, I stood up and I realized that I was almost as tall as he was and I was really strong and I just started punching him back. And I told him if he ever touched me again, if he ever hit me again, I would kill him and that he should get the, you know. And uh, he he was drunk when he was, you know, hitting me, and um, but he stopped and um, um, it, no, he never hit me again. And the, the difference is that none of these kids ever did that. And um, so, you know, thank God I did that. And uh, anyway, so these three books in combination were ones that I read when I all was dealing with my own childhood abuse, Courage to Heal by Ellen Bass and Laura Davis, When Children Kill by Paul Bonas, were all true accounts that were written by an attorney who represented children. And then Getting the Love You Want, by Harville Hendricks, who's a Ph.D., and this all has to do with communicating. And how does this all come together is that in doing the work uh, with my ex-husband, Getting the Love You Want, I you know, really had to deal with my own childhood issues and, um, and abuse that I had uh, went through. And so I had to then read these other books and deal with that, and uh, it's very, very powerful. And I think that... Um, you know, under that, a lot of work got done, and I did. I cried a lot, but I did a lot of healing. Now, the other thing that happened when I did this is I had children, and I really, uh, I, I did not take them to meetings. My, my babies, I think I did one or twice, and I felt kind of, oh, that's not a good idea. This was way back in the um, 1990, 1990, he was born, the first child. And I really started to pull away from AA, which was a good thing. <clears throat> and then I, I think I... Certainly didn't go to any night meetings at all, which was really healthy. And 
I, in my, at the end, when I was at my my meeting at the end, and some young woman was talking about how she had a baby and that she felt guilty, and that her sponsor told her, "Well, what was more important?" I was like, "Fuck her!" Like that, they are so nuts. You know how many women in AA are not even sponsor? I mean, they're sorry, they're not even mothers, and they they give this kind of advice. No, you should be home with your baby at night, and. You know, if you really go to – one meeting a week is enough, and you could go to a day meeting. Um, on a sat, you know, there's just plenty of meetings, but I would say run from meetings. And I, I actually stopped going, and I wound up going to meetings that were in people's houses, and there were couples meetings, and they were like once a month, and we never read anything. Like we never read – and that was probably why, you know, I even stayed in AA as long as I did because those years – I really pulled back, and so what happened is that I began to do this work, and when you go to do the work by Harville Hendricks, you learn something that is a core belief system in AA, which is that, oh, none of us can fix each other, and that's bullshit, that, you know, this, this thing of that, oh, well, only, only we can help you, you know, your, your family and your friends or your husband or your wife can't help you if you have a drinking problem, only we can, because we're, we're fellow alcoholics, we know better, well, you know what, that's bullshit, so... When you do the Harville Hendricks work, you learn that that's not true, that we actually come into life and we actually can heal each other. We can help heal each other. And not in a codependent way, which is such a bullshit word anyway, but in a way that we come, we attract, we're attracted to each other for different reasons. I'm not going to go into all that because there's too many books that I want to talk about on the list. But the main core issue is that, yes, that if somebody's had a certain issue, whether it's being jealous or being insecure or being... That the person that you're with is your mate, that person, yes, should be the person that you are the most important person in their lives. That when that person, you know, were to get jealous, you were in, you're not going to say, oh, just get over it. You know, that's ridiculous. I don't have anything going on with them. That they would go, really? Why do you feel that way? You know, tell me more about why you're feeling that. Uh, you're the most important thing. If, if it means that I wouldn't, you know, hang out with them, that kind of stuff, you know, is, wow. It was like just day and night. That was really, really day and night. And, uh, oh, there's Amy Lee Coy, you're in there. Hi there. Uh, it's been so long, you're on the other part of the world. I just looked down, I was looking at the books the whole time. I didn't see that you were there. Um, all right, so back to talking about this work that uh, I'm going like back in time in my mind. But, you know, as I was reading all these three books, I'm going to therapy, I'm going to individual therapy, I was going to marriage counseling, I would, I would once in a while, like, you know, just say, well, let me go to a meeting. Let me, like, go to, a, like, a noon meeting somewhere when I had a babysitter. So I remember looking in the book and picking a place and going to this place in Santa Monica and sharing about, you know, childhood abuse or whatever. And, you know, people saying, like, um, you know, excuse me, that it's your fault. And I was like, what? What, what did that person just say? I can't believe it. And... You know, I knew clearly that you know, any child that, that is abused, it's never their fault. And, uh, that you know, and Bill and Bob never intended for this bullshit anyway to relate to anybody who is a, a child. This was, this was a problem. These steps were designed for, you know, middle-aged men to address, you know, hardcore alcohol uh, dependency problem that they had for over 20 years, that this was not designed to deal with childhood abuse or any core issues, Right. And so when I heard like this bullshit, and I, what I didn't know is court ordering was going on, and the DUIs people were being sent, and you had predators coming there. I didn't, I didn't know that this was going on, and I just saw this creepy aspect uh, in the meetings. And so I would just 
you know, raise my hand and share that I had so many years, or 15 or 17 years, whatever it was, and that you never had to forgive for that. And childhood abuse was not to be dealt with with the steps. And you go to get a therapist and do, and people would be like, yeah, you know, like, um, like I would get clapped for that. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't get shunned. The people liked what I was saying, and Oprah was talking about it all the time in the 80s, you know, so there was a lot of, uh, you know, awareness was raised. Uh, there were laws that were created about childhood abuse in the 1980s that didn't exist. And, um, hi there, Amy. How are you? She's in the chat room just saying hi. Um, if anybody wants to call in, the number is 818-475-9211. I'm going to take some calls. 818-475-9211. Let's see what Amy said. I'm reading an amazing book on grieving, healing loss, the root of my numbing, loss of my mother, loss of innocence, being molested by my grandfather. It's called Second First by Christina Rasmussen. Okay, did you hear that, folks? A new book. Um, it's called uh, Second First by Christina Rasmussen, R-A-S-M-U-S-S-E-N, Christina. Wow, I'd love to hear that. Great books. Uh, it's good to always know about good books, and um, I'm glad that it's helping you so much because these books and the work that I did so many years ago, uh, you know, they, they they were hard years. I mean, they were kind of bittersweet because I had a little boy and I my first child, and he was a great, great little kid. And, uh, you know, so I had a lot of fun taking care of him and mothering him and taking him to the park and reading stories to him. And um, so there were, you know, it was just, I was going through some really hard times uh, internally and emotionally that was making me a better person because I was a really tough cookie. And... I certainly needed to soften up. I mean, for those who know me and don't know me, think I'm, you know, tough like I am. You should have seen what I was like before. It was, you know, it just was too tough. I had a shell that was uh, just too much, and so this work that I did just changed a lot of that. Um, the other thing I did is I listened to Tony Robbins CDs with my son Michael. He was in the um, he was in the high chair. I remember in the morning, and we would clap and listen and clap, and I did that and. You know, quite honestly, I, I didn't get a lot from listening to those tapes. I tried, and I set these goals, and I, I, you know, followed what he said. And, you know, it just it wasn't until later where I did, um, actually did the work on fire the year that I left AA, and I went and did a three-day workshop with he, he and um, with, with my oldest son. And it was really fun, and it was really exciting, and I was in a really good place because I no longer believed the core that I was an alcoholic or that I was powerless or any of that, and so Tony Robbins' workshop was awesome, and I walked on fire and slightly burned my feet. No, <laughs> just <laughs> barely, but um, it was really scary, and I did it anyway. <laughs> but um, so the next, I would say, um, well, we're going to go back. So there was a period where I was like obviously really seeking probably 10 years sober in my late 20s, I did a thing called Creative Visualization. It was a book by Shakti Gawain, very new agey, very uh, very 80s for, I think, Los Angeles. The Bodhi Tree was the you know, hip-happening bookstore, and people were uh, you know, going to pray at the, uh, you know, the temple that's down at the end of uh, Sunset and the ocean. You know, I would go there sometimes. And, but mostly I was just really trying to learn how to expand on 
what I felt was very empty, which was AA, the 12th step, and I liked prayer and meditation, and I felt like my meditation was lacking. And I wanted to connect and learn something better, and so I read the book. And I tried, and I did it, and i got to say that it really wasn't until I learned um, TM or quantum meditation uh, where I felt... Uh, and there were other things that I did, which were, you know, energy work where you do um, balancing energy with your chakra. So I did chakra type of meditation and balancing, and that was really fantastic. I must have learned that in the late 1990s um, from Marianne Murphy, who had studied and became a minister. She lives in Northern California right now. And, um, you know, she taught me some tools that, you know, just taught me how to be grounded, taught me how to just, just be grounded and to notice that you have we have energy of course in different spots and a lot of you know hindu religions believe that you have more than the seven chakras they have i'm not into the hindu religion though i mean i gotta tell you i just that was like okay that's like way too much like i went to Hare krishna and in my like when i was like 19 in hawaii and they gave out free food on sunday and my sister and i would go to the temple you know sometimes and just trying to figure it out. Trying to, we could obviously see that AA was like, you know, a spiritual wasteland. Like that's what, to me, honestly, like I can't believe some of these people feel that AA is this like spirit. I'm like, it's a wasteland. It's a fucking spiritual wasteland. And you know, I mean, maybe if you like, really got involved, or people who say that, if they went there and they could uh, and they experienced it, they could see what a wasteland it is, and it's a wasteland filled with predators. So, you know, uh, well, there there was a good you know little uh, rant there, but. <laughs> You know, the reason I had that rant is I, you know, I heard somebody speak who just loves AA and thinks that it's like, you know, you can replace church with um, by going to these meetings. And my experience was that even early on, uh, back in 1976 and 77, I recollect talking with my sister and, you know, and other people that, um, you know, it's kind of empty and um, that it didn't really, well, you know, you just like do more, do more of what? The same thing, you know, that's not. That's not spirituality. That isn't religion. That's like made up fucking Bill Wilson Oxford movement, which was really, uh, really placed in, you know, uh, you got to stand up and share, you know, all your sins and, you know, we're going to, whatever. I don't even want to go into it anymore. It's just a waste of time. Um, okay. So um, what came next? I am like jumping all over the place. I mean, I made this list. As I was leaving AA, I was like, why am I who I am today? What have I done that makes me feel like I don't belong here anymore? And that um, when I left, that I felt completely cured. I felt like I was healed and not from AA. I felt like I had to recover from AA. I had to deprogram the stuff that was still in me, deeply entrenched. So, I, I mean, I think Chapter 5 and those three readings are just, they are so toxic and so deadly. I think they kill a lot of people. Um, a lot of people commit suicide around believing that crap, that it's, that, oh, my God, I failed. No, AA failed. AA failed you, you know. You didn't fail AA. And if AA was a real spiritual place, they would all want to learn about the other modalities. And they would, when someone is, is failing at it or it's not working for them, they would go up and say, you know what, honey, um, there's this book by Amy Lee Coy from Death Do I Part. Or there is this book um, called Breaking Addiction by Lance Dodies. Or there is this book by Stanton Peel and Ilsa Thompson called Recover, Stop Thinking Like an Addict and Try the Perfect Program. 
right? Or go to Smart Recovery or try Moderation Management or go to an SOS meeting if all you need is support and you want to be abstinent or or what? Or do harm reduction and go to Ken Anderson's site, you know? I mean, people would be so genuine and generous and say, try these other things because this is a 1935 ridiculous modality. And, um, you know, so there we have that. I just... Uh, you know, um, there's so many people out there that have ways that will help people, and yet we have Hollywood that just likes to promote Alcoholics Anonymous. I, I don't know why. I don't know why. It's such a weird thing. Um, all right. Moving on. Moving on here. So the books that I would say were huge, huge, were first The Greatest Secret in the World by Ogmandino. I think it was the first deprogramming, brainwashing in a good way um, that I did. How to Survive the Loss of a Love was okay. I tried to reread it. Um, I think it's a little dated. It was good for back in the 70s and for what I was going through. Um, the Greatest Miracle in the World. I wonder what it would be like to read that now. Um, think and Grow Rich. I liked it back then. I don't think I could read it again. Um, let's see. The Secrets of a Very Good Marriage, or Good if You're Married, I thought. Getting to I Do was kind of interesting. It was like, remember the rules, that book, The Rules? Everybody was like, they were so hardcore. I was like, no, I don't think so. This is like not for me. And so John Gray's Mars and Venus on a Date was way better if you're single and you want to um, get back into dating. I thought it was a pretty healthy book. Uh, the Purpose of Your Life. I would say that's that's a top one if you're at like a turning, turning points. So The Greatest Secret in the World, I would say The Purpose of Your Life by Carolyn, Carol Adrian was next. John Gray, uh, The Mars and Venus on a Date. And then the three huge ones, if anyone's dealing with childhood issues of trauma, Courage to Heal, When Children Kill, and Warrior, um, I'm sorry, Getting the Love You Want. Um, where's my, my computer? Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. I have about 22 minutes left. And if anybody wants to call in, please uh, feel free to do so at 818-475-9211 if you have a book that you would like to just make a comment or ask a question. Um, let's see. What did she say? Love to have your book list. Is it on your website? Um, no, you know, it's not on my website, but, you know, I probably should put it. I think I need a new page. Thanks for – someone else told me, too, that I need to put all the news stories, and I, I need to put all the links to them, so I'll do that. I think it would be – that's a great idea, Amy. Amy's suggesting that I put the book list on my website. Uh, so um, here we go again. Um, now, the more recent ones. Well, The Artist Way, I also did. Um, you know, I, 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 The Vein of Gold, I couldn't really, uh, I couldn't finish it because I had left AA and then there was kind of some kind of separate talk she started doing. I don't know whether it was CODA or Al-Anon or whatever. And I was like, you know what, if I hear like another person reinventing this 12-step philosophy, I'm going to like jump out the window. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I could really see why people kill themselves. And I, no, I'm not, I'm kidding. But I could, you know, there's, there's a point where it's just like, ah, enough. You know, I don't want to hear another person go, well, I'm so grateful, you know, whatever. I mean, there were words that I couldn't say that I that I don't say still maybe someday I'll say them again but they're just so tainted by my years in AA um so but her first book The Artist's Way was very interesting and I did do The Artist's Way I did read it from cover to cover uh and 
I did some of some of the exercises. It, the exercises in it helped me. Um, they really helped me make decisions that were life-changing decisions about my marriage and uh, divorce, and if I were to stay in that, um, and how uh, how not good it was for me, and how toxic it had become. And those were painful times, and also, you know, joyful times that my boys were little, and um, being with them, and yet at the same time, uh, I was in a very, very unhappy marriage in when that second child was born. And so they were very, very painful times. And I had a good therapist, and um, I think she had moved away then when uh, my second child came. And these books were, you know, I had a pile. And my friend uh, in Hawaii, we joked that, you know, each of us had a pile of self-help books next to our bedside, and our mates had nothing, you know, on their side. And we were like the, we were like the ones that needed all the help. And, you know, I, I certainly needed help, but I certainly wasn't broken. And I want to talk about that. We're gonna, I'm going to get to that sort of more towards the end. Um, the next books that were so amazing, this top okay these next two uh have more to do with money and abundance and feng shui um they came later um so but these these rank really high so the greatest secret in the world purpose of your life and the getting the love you want i would say the feng shui of abundance by susan hilton with a z s-u-z-a-n hilton uh just like the hilton hotels feng shui how is it spelled f-e-n-g Shui, S-H-U-I, <laughs> a practical and spiritual guide to attracting wealth into your life. And Creating Money is a great book. But I want to talk about the feng shui of abundance because this was at a period where things were tough, 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 tough. And yet they were good. There were things that were good that were going on. But what I loved about this book by Susan Hilton, wow, if I could ever get her on my show, I wonder... This is on who, who um, Broadway Books. This came out of. She was a former certified public accountant working with both small and international companies. She's a feng shui consultant, and she now works with people to transform their homes and office spaces, and she lives outside of Portland, Oregon. Now I got this book. Ooh, it's under self-improvement, and I got it way back in, I think, 2000 and. 2001 in the Bodhi Tree, and the Bodhi Tree is now gone, which is so sad. It was a fabulous bookstore, New Age uh, kind of bookstore that was there for many, many, many years. And um, I used to go in there on Saturday mornings and go to the Earth Cafe and have some lovely food and then go into the bookstore, and I found this book. But she uses different language, you know, her, the river of gold, you know, the sticky sea of salt, uh, there was nothing stepperish about her language. And I was so sick of 12-step language that I wanted to barf. And so when people were trying to re-spin 12-step, you know, into, uh, you know, Debtors Anonymous and business owners of Debtors Anonymous and uh, Al-Anon and, uh, you know, wherever I went, that... Uh, it was really like, I've heard it all. I've just heard it all, and it is such bullshit. And so when I was reading this book, I was like, oh, my God. 
And you have to do some things, like there's action steps that, you know, which I did, and I was like, what? I have to do more work? Uh, here's a thing called the river of shame. Um, must be purified and distilled to see any of its gifts. That is done with love. It's difficult to create a warm environment to open your heart to to the experiences and gifts after being harshly treated as you previously floated on the river of shame. Um, it's just interesting stuff that... Um, that I did get to a place, you know, and I, I talk about being unforgiving with, you know, with somebody who uh, harmed me as a child. Um, I, I do believe that you have to be where you are when you're doing that kind of serious childhood work. But, you know, years pass now, you know, how many years later, a long, long time, you know, a decade and or more, and I got to a place where I felt that I could forgive uh, other people and forgive myself for any mistakes that I had made, and that this sense of forgiveness in a very general big way um, began to, uh, you know, just come into my life. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that, um, hey, you know, I think, that, I think that I love what Lance Doty said to me today is that the problem with AA is that there's a one-size-fits-all and, you know, there's nobody, not one of us is alike, and that whole mentality of like, you know, well, we're all the same, you know. No, we're not all the same. I'm unique, and my husband is unique, and my two sons are unique. Everybody's unique, and that whole sticking us all into one big black box is, you know, it's a recipe for a disaster, and it's a recipe for our culture to uh, things not be working. Now, here's the other thing about this book that I just loved. Um, oh, there's so many things. Like, here's just one line. Spending money when you are feeling or avoiding your sadness can quickly add up to a large amount. For example, I've noticed some divorced fathers who spend lots of money on their, children's, on their children for toys and fun experiences while denying their own sadness and tears around missing their children as well as uh, the end of their former relationship. They may also allow themselves to experience their anger, yet they don't realize that they take their sadness with them to the shopping mall. Um, some children have never seen their dad cry. Um, for, this, uh, for these fathers, there is the actual money that is spent plus the hidden cost of not recognizing and experiencing all of their emotions, the full range of life energy. Um, so, I mean, that, that's not what I intended to read, but it just opened and there it was. Uh, it talks about buying things when you're sad, which is certainly um, what I would do when my kids would go off with their father. I would go like to TJ Maxx or Ross and and buy like you know. I mean, it was like nothing, but you know, it was like and then it's like nothing can really keep because it always reminded me of that period in my life when I was so so sad uh, on the weekends when they were gone and they were little boys. So uh, it was many many interesting ways of looking at how we spend money. I mean, my husband taught me, you know, you put the seat down. And not just the seat that you sit on, on the toilet. You put the lid down. So there's very, very practical. You can buy feng shui books that are like, okay, do this and place this here and put that there. And, you know, and, and all that's great, knowing where your, you know, uh, where your relationship space is and knowing where your money space is and where your wealth space is and where your, you know, uh, helpful people are. All that, I mean, I really got into it. And, um you know, uh, so basically, that is the bagua. That's the whole. I mean, feng shui. You could do a whole, you know, show on it. It would be cool, maybe, to have somebody on to talk about feng shui for people. Because at the end, when I was like, when I was in AA, in the very end, I went, my one woman that I did sponsor, who was sober a very long time, 
All I did was talk to her about what I knew about feng shui to help her in her life. Like, it was just all this cool feng shui stuff. Um, one of the things that she talks about is personas around money. And um, I think it's really funny. Each of these personas show up in a different costume. And um, again, her language is so nice and refreshing. It has nothing, it doesn't sound at all like anybody who was ever in AA. But these are the personas around money. And here's some of them, like the space case, cadet, the con man or con woman, the stud, the superman or woman, the helper, the hypochondriac, the rebel, the cop, the robber, someone who's wishy-washy, someone who's a sex kitten, somebody who's a hussy, the tough guy, the geek, the martyr, the flirt, the bumbling fool, Mr. Fix-It, Misunderstood Genius, the Know-It-All, the Beauty Queen, the Craft Clown, the Inquisitor, Miss Perfect, the Good Girl, the Underdog, the Big Man on Campus, the Loner. Um, I mean, there's just so many. And then, um, and then, then the things about what you say to yourself um, about money. Um, here is, so here are some belief systems. Money is evil. Tightwad, nothing works. I can't afford it. It's only money. Clueless, the rules don't apply. The sharp pencil, that means someone, you know what that means. Um, let me help you, poor me, it ain't no use. Easy come, easy go. And, um, you know, and she says, which one calls out to you? And then you do some work anyway. So, The Feng Shui of Abundance by Susan Hilton was killer. It's like still, I would say it's my top, one of my top five books that I've ever read in my life. It changed me the most. Creating Money, great. Keys to Abundance by Sanaya Roman and Dwayne Packer. You know, this is a little bit out there. I just have to say, for you, for those of you who hate New Age stuff, you're not going to like this book. You're going to hate this book, and you're going to give me a thumbs down on Facebook. So <laughs> you might as well just like stop listening to the show right now <laughs> because you're, you know, this book is not for you. But there are certainly things in this book that I did that were really powerful and that were really, really helpful, and I applied them, and you know, it worked. And so I think that. If you're if you're up for it and you really need some changes, um, uh, let me see if I could read you anything out of here. Uh, you know there were some really good things in here. You know what? The best one was what attracts and what repels money. That's the thing I think that I could share with you. Um, clarity um, is really important. And about that, we create we can create money in our lives, and we can create more. Um, but the best thing was this, and now I can't find it. I'm so sorry. I don't have it out. Uh, I printed it out for a little workshop that I did for about a year in my house, but it's, there are things that attract and repel. And, um, I became really conscious of the things that attract, uh, it not, not half of the stuff has nothing to do with, with, oh, I just found it. It has nothing to do with money, like um, repelling qualities. Uh, let's see, worrying that the worst will happen, getting into power struggles, cutting corners, competing, thinking only of what others will give you, telling yourself why you can't succeed, compromising your values and your ideas, operating on automatic, feeling threatened by others' success, choosing safety and comfort over growth, hanging on to things, thinking it's too late, giving up, um, waiting for others to give you permission. And the, the attracting qualities for money are honoring your worth and your time, 
giving and receiving freely, opening your heart, expecting the best to happen, coming from your heart, doing your best, wanting everyone to succeed, cooperating, focusing on how you can serve others. And that doesn't mean 12-step work, okay, guys? (laughs) Telling yourself why you can succeed, coming from your own integrity. Uh, So these are all just attracting qualities, and one of them... Like, if you know, if, if one of the things I did, I actually held a workshop in my house, is that we would, like, read this, and then, uh, like, as you sit there, see which one you're kind of, you're kind of doing, like, which one you're, is maybe giving you a, an issue right now. Um, feeling the world owes you really repels money. Believing in scarcity uh, repels worrying, fears, doubts, self-criticism repels money. Vague or unidentified goals, ignoring inner guidance, worrying over finances, um, not believing in your inner wisdom, measuring abundance only by how much money you have, uh, unspoken or vague expectations. So, you know, none of these, this is all certainly not a 12-step talk, and it's, it's some really good stuff. Clear agreements, things that are attracting qualities, clear intent and directed will, following your joy, surrounding yourself with objects that reflect your aliveness. Um, some of the things in both of these books that are just really simple do's, you get rid of all this, anything that has bad memories, things that are broken, things that are torn, holes in them, um, and anything that you bought at a time when you were very, very sad. I cannot believe that it is six minutes left to the show. Uh, there's a few books left. Okay. So we did, con- let me see, uh, Courage to Heal. We did that one. Um, oh, Psychic Living. So Psychic Living, once again, for more of you um, new agey types out there like myself, Psychic Living by Ridgeway, R-I-D-G-E-W-A-Y. I don't have the book in front of me, but this book had some really, really good uh, tools Tools for dealing with um, what type you are. There's like four kind of, not archetypes, but, you know, there's the empath, and uh, I just don't have it in front of me. But this book had some really good things about creating more intuition. And, you know, one of the things that I think is so detrimental that about the way AA has evolved is the way people go call their sponsor for everything. And what does your sponsor say? Call your sponsor. What does your sponsor say? You just want to go, wow. Like, I think even in the book, like, there's a line that says, go within. You know, we ask and we'll know. That's a really good part of the book. It, it may be the only good part of the book, but it's a, it's good practice for real other religions, which is to go within. And, you know, but anyway, one of the practices to sort of ask, and you can do this with dreaming before you go to sleep, that you'll know the answer, you know, and through your dreams and through your feelings, how you get up in the morning, and then in meditation, you would ask the same thing, and you'll know what the right thing is to do. It'll come to you. And uh, but the the psychic living, there was just it was a good book. I read it. I got stuff out of it. I be, I did some of it. I applied it. I still do it. Some of the stuff in there. Um, it also says if you're if you are already like in this in these different um archetypes like if you're an empath that means you don't need to work on that side anymore like the, it's like the balance of who we are when you look at like chinese astrology you know um if you're a dog or you're uh you know the dragon 
that it's the stuff that comes naturalist and easy for us, that's not the stuff we have to work on. It's the stuff that comes hard for us. Like so somebody who's an Aries like me who's a go go go, you know, patience was my was my thing that I had to um you know, work on and someone who's very patient, they're you know, they're obviously they have something else that is their um not Achilles heel, if you will, but you know, something that they need to uh, that is is something in their life that they just have to work on, and uh, so then the last few books because we have very little time. One is um, contacting your spirit guide, and um, I, I, this was fabulous for when my father died. Uh, I think if you've lost somebody really close to you, um, by Sylvia Brown, and it was um, a guide, a guided meditation. And um, it's a beautiful guided meditation, and uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. And um, the Path of Oneness, it's a genuine Buddhism book, and, um, you know, I was reading that for a while, and uh, I'd say that the biggest thing also, if you haven't listened to the George Quant interviews or go to his website, uh, Quantum Meditation also really transformed me, uh, told me I was not broken, that I was never broken, that if you're an alcoholic or an addict, or if you were somebody who um, overused alcohol uh, or dependent on it, that you were not broken and you were never broken. And if you were abused as a kid... uh, No, I think that people can get broken. I don't want to... You know, because I do think that you can be broken um, and it can happen. But are we broken because you overdrank or you overuse drugs? No. No, and the brain will heal itself. It will re- reheal itself. I mean, I do think people can get certainly past it, and you become you are an alcoholic, and you have liver disease, and you use too many drugs, and you are just a, you know you're a, a vegetable or a marshmallow or something. That's different. But you know, most people are not at that place, and for people to th- believe that is really you know really criminal. I think. I want to thank everybody for listening and uh, everybody's out of the chat room. They've all flown the coop. I think I became too new agey for everybody and certainly not myself. Um, I enjoyed revisiting some of these fantastic books as I went down mem- memory lane and um, thought about taking myself on an, uh, a, my own date through the artist book, although I, I've learned how to do that with someone else. But... Um, I encourage you all to, maybe I will post all this stuff on my Leaving AA website. Um, if you want to support the film, we could still use support through the, IDA, through the IDA. Sorry, she just told me we have 90 seconds. And um, the 13 step to film is the website, and you can go on there and click on the button and follow, and you can donate in uh, through PayPal, through the IDA, or you can just mail it to Inward Girl Productions. And the address is on the website. Again, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at the 13 Step to Film, the 13 Step to Film on Twitter, and also Leaving AA on Facebook. Um, go there and uh, join us and like us. And if you have any questions, you can always contact me here or at makeaasafer at gmail.com. Again, my name is Monica Richardson, and this is Safe Recovery. And it is all free on iTunes. You can download it onto your iPad, onto your computer, onto your iPod or your phone and listen later and share it everywhere and know that you are not powerless. We are not powerless. And that there are other free options for us out there, for anyone who might still be suffering 
please share the word, and we will see you next week with the author of The Silver Truth, Lance Dodies. So thank you again, and we'll see you all next week, and good night.